Good evening. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham, your tech for tonight. And what you were listening to there were some rock and techno beats by Major Hussles. Thank you very much for letting us um, play a bit of your track, your set uh, today for our episode uh, by ECA, the European Careers Association. Am I correct? Yes. Thank you very much. And of course, um, uh, we need we have to mention Moza Musica, our our music partners, uh, for letting us uh, use their track from their SoundCloud uh, platform. Mirta Hussels is from Lanakan, uh, a techno DJ and regularly DJs in Maastricht at at Ilkavo. Last weekend, Mirta was performing live at Next Castricum, and this Friday and Sunday, there's another another live live event at Ilkavo by by Merita Hussels so <laughs> don't forget um, we, we will we will give out the the socials at the end of the show so stay tuned in in the meantime please let us uh, introduce our our uh, our speakers tonight so uh, can you please introduce yourself hello hello everyone I'm Leonie um, I'm from Germany I've been a member of the European Career Association for one and a half years now um, and have become now recently the editress of the blog Blue and Yellow. Um, I'm joined here with Jan, who is a writer for, for the blog. Good evening, everyone. My name is Jeanne Gallien. I am French, as you can hear. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 20 years old, and I'm also part of ECA blog as a writer. And I'm doing a European studies, a bachelor of three years about Europe and the European Union. Cool. Yeah? Yeah, yeah so... Um, what we do at Blue and Yellow is basically writing articles on recent news on, on the EU. Um, I'm also studying European studies by my master's and the other writers at Blue and Yellow um, also study EU law and European studies. Some are also uh, or have a business background. So we are all students um, with an interest in the EU and we hope to bring yeah some of the topics um, closer to other students and anyone else who's interested because as we all know the EU can get very complicated and has a lot of topics um, so yeah please stay tuned fantastic thank you so much and we'll be we'll be we'll be right back after some uh, some rock and tunes let's do it
For staying tuned in, this is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. We are in the studios of RTV Maastricht on Bankastrat in Banka Studios. Thank you very much for letting us use the studios. And my name is Sham, your tech for tonight. And in the studio, we've got members of the ECA, Jean and Leonie. Leonie, thank you very much. And yeah, as you were saying, uh, the topic of today is the first European summit. of 2023 could you please explain yeah. uh, <laughs> no a little bit about the topic so yeah today we're going to talk about the first summit of the european council so to explain a bit and contextualize it's uh, a summit that takes place every year around four times a year and uh, it's a place where head of state and governments of the 27 member states of the european union meet in Brussels to discuss the most uh, pressing and important issues and this first summit took place on the 9th and 10th of February and once again the European Council called Russia to immediately put an end to this war because uh, Ukraine and the war was of course at the center of the attention and more particularly because Vladimir Zelensky was invited and it's a very special guest because he's not Ukraine is not part yet of the European Union so it it was kind of special yeah i would also say that um it's especially um important to mention also because the war of course in Ukraine is ongoing and um he has been the one really making the decision and and keeping Ukraine uh together in these very very tough times so leaving Ukraine um to go to the EU to Brussels um of course is also in his interest because he asked the EU uh for weapons um for money for aid um but of course it, yeah it, it it shows a very important um aspect also for him or how important the EU is so the EU then uh yeah discussed how to help Ukraine further right exactly and also with uh, the main topic was about money <laughs> so of course <laughs> what is it not <laughs> <laughs> so the european union has approved a uh, seven tranche of uh, military support to ukraine under the european peace facility and it's in total 500 million euros quite a quite a big number um they are um but also of course um a lot of military support in terms of weapons yeah um there has been of course a lot of defense weapons um that were given by by all uh, EU member states but of course the big ones Germany and France um more specifically yeah um and there was this huge debate on on the actual like battle tanks Germany is one of the largest producers of military weapons and they have been uh, very hesitant to send these what they call like offensive weapons to the war because of their own history um and but now they actually now agreed to to send the weapons uh, or the battle tanks so that has been yeah a big topic that was also then discussed at the summit 
Yeah, because uh, after World War Two, Germany was supposed to industrialize yeah. and stop like <laughs> making weapons and stuff. So it was a, a huge debate uh, lately. Um, yes, but of course, now that they have agreed to it, they agreed also with other EU member states because basically Germany was not only hesitant to send their own battle tanks, um, but they also wanted to do it together with other EU member states, so not be the only country, uh, yeah, country sending them. Um, and they sold their battle tanks also to different EU member states. So um, Poland, for example, they wanted to send the battle tanks already, but they weren't allowed to because Germany didn't say, yes, it's okay. So now that they actually said that, and the, EU also, uh, the US also promised to send their battle tanks, the Abraham tanks, um, it is expected that by the end of the year they will roll out. Uh, which is of course a good message, but I would say it's way too late. Um, they could have already agreed to that and, and discussed it a year ago. Um, nonetheless, I guess a good message. Um, but of course also Volodymyr Zelensky is now already asking for more um, weapons uh, that not yeah. only serve defensive purposes, which in my opinion does make sense because Russia continues to to fight this war and they've already again now launched um, a new operation really trying to push inwards uh, to Ukraine territory. So I think it's very necessary that Ukraine has the ability to defend itself. But what do you think, John? Yeah, I also think that it's very important and but the the pressure that Russia also put in the European Union and the new uh, countries that want to join is very strong. Because yes. we also saw uh, recently in the news that uh, a Moldovian Prime Minister Natalia Gravelita, sorry for the mispronunciation if it I did, but uh, it was a pro-European Prime Minister, announced that on the February 10th that she resigned with the rest of the government because she feared uh, the Russian pressure and they received some threats against the government. Yeah, so from what I've read that um, Ukraine intelligence actually was um, informing them about it um, and there seems to be a lot of proof that yeah, Russia was trying to um, kick the government out and in a way, I mean, it worked because they actually resigned. Mm. Um, and I mean, Russia has done a lot of those power moves um, also in the past and um, within the Moldovan territory there is um, a big chunk that where Russian apparently so peace soldiers are positioned, um, but it do I think it it shows that um, yeah Russia is now also or Putin is now also trying to push in in other countries and gaining more control, which I think is very very scary and something that the EU needs to keep an eye out. Um, and I think another aspect to really support Ukraine. Um, so that they they win the war and and regain their t their territory that they had before 24th of February 2021. Yeah, and as we see how Russia is determined to continue this war, I mean Moldova is, is kind of a small country, so yes. it's also scary to see that maybe they can also uh, invite them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's true.
Welcome back. This is Student Radio Master on RTU 107.5 FM. You are listening there to Mirta Hussle's RDG. Thank you very much, uh, Moza Musica and Mirta Hussle's, for letting us uh, use your user set. In the studio, we have um, members of ECA, Jean and Leonie. Thank you very much. We were already talking about some fantastic um, news coverage about the EU summit like the council summit thank you yes yes, <laughs> yes yes absolutely i have to say i'm learning a lot by the way that's good good to hear <laughs> definitely definitely it's, it's a really really good breakdown and it's good to hear your views yeah. um, thank you very much yes that's good to hear i hope you guys are learning also a lot <laughs> for that's, sure this student radio yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it's what we're here for <laughs> nice um yeah in the next section we want to talk about more um about um, yeah, the the green politics, uh, so to say, of the EU, um, which was of course also a topic that was discussed in the um, in the summit last week. Um, so, as you may or may not know, in 2019, the um, EU or the Commission presented the EU Green Deal. Um, it's this huge strategy paper that lays out goals on how to tackle climate change um, and yeah, how to go into a future where we can yeah, actually live, still live on this planet. Uh, so one of or the, the main goal is to become climate neutral by um, 2050, the European continent. Um, but they actually also want to reduce the greenhouse gas levels um, to pre-industrial times um, by 2030 to uh, by 50%. Um, so given that it's only seven years, there needs to be a lot that has to be happening um, until then to actually reach these goals. Um, and although the EU Green Deal itself was more like a, um, yeah, a goal paper, a strategy paper, now it is uh, to the Commission, but also the Council and the Parliament and the decision making to come up with action plans. And because the EU Green Deal covers so many different topics, there need to be a lot of legislation that is within this umbrella of the EU Green Deal. Um, mostly recently there um, was the entire idea of the Repower EU, uh, which is part of it, which tackles, yeah, uh, as the name suggests, um, the, the energy aspects um, of it. But of course, there are also, uh, yeah, a lot of different um, other aspects, one of which is maintaining the competitiveness um, within, uh, with, yeah, within the world. Um, also now thinking about the US, they recently launched their plan or their version, so to say, um, where, yeah, they really want to focus on on the US and trying to keep their jobs within, within the US again. Um, and that's, of course, also affecting Europe. Um, so when you think about how to become climate neutral, it's not just about... Yeah, making everything carbon or like neutral free. It's also about so how do we do that while interacting globally and and trading um, and being dependent on supply chains. Um, so that's really interesting stuff. Um, and Jean looked more into what exactly they they discussed uh, at the summit. So Jean, maybe you want to give us a summary. Yeah, of course, no worries. And uh, I just wanted to mention that I I think they sent. Uh, the um, French and German Minister of Economy to the US That's to right, yes. respond to this new IRA or something reg regulation. But <laughs> so it's a huge topic uh, on the news right now. 
And so in the meeting, they talked about, of course, investment to support our economy. And they said that it's uh, very uh, important for public and private investment to invest in the field to um, uh, fill the gap. In fact, that is right now in energy, like renewable energy. They also talked about um, uh, to simplify the condition applicable to investment to help people and make it uh, simpler. And also state aid policy to simplify for the states to do some changes in their domestic policies. And yeah, they talked about more, but it's a bit long. And it's long, and I think it's also very complicated. Yeah. Like if you don't have the specific like legal aspect or background um, in business or engineering, etc., I find it sometimes really complicated to understand. Um, but also, if you get into it, really interesting, and it seems like the EU is really trying to come up with a holistic plan of. Um, leading the EU um, into yeah a, a brighter future, a more sustainable future, <laughs> hopefully. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the, the the most recent plan they also introduced actually was the Green Pact um, Industrial Plan um, that also like really tries to make the EU um, more competitive and have a net zero industry. Um, again, very complicated stuff, but basically they laid out like these four goals. Um, they want to have a predictable and like more simplified regulatory environment um, because most of the time it's like setting the standards actually and telling all the companies of what they have to do uh, to get there. Um, they also want to, within that plan, like speed up access to finance because to have this clean energy transition, you need investors, you need a lot of money, um, which is of oftentimes also coming from from private investors. Um, so also setting guidelines there and, and making the, the financing um, yeah, a lot more simple, uh, simpler. Um, and then of course also enhancing the skills. So you also need the jobs for it, right? Yeah. Um, so it says like 35 to 40% of all jobs will most likely be affected by the green transition, which is a lot if you think about it. Um, so what do you do with these workers? You know, how do you have them like develop the new skills where are probably some, most of the jobs will be lost or they mm. need like training? Yeah, they talked about this. Also, yes. they said that they we needed more education, training, professional mm -hmm. to address this cha challenge of labor and also changing labor and people that reconvert in another job. Yeah. Yeah, it's so complicated. There's so much to it that needs to be considered. Um, the last thing they also discussed or that was part of this plan is the having more resilient supply chain, but also having still like open trade because the EU still tries to not become like super protectionist, but still have like international trade. But of course, as we also saw with COVID, um, we are very dependent on these global supply chains. The way tr trade works, um, it is yeah, global supply chains that we need. Um, so having fair competition, having principles and values for that um, while keeping the trade open, um, you really need to build engagements and arrangements. So yeah, we need to work with the EU partners, but also um, with multilateral organizations for that. So um, that's part, all part of the Green Pact Industrial Plan. That's 
part of the EU Green Deal. Mm. Um, so yes, we hope that was a bit insightful um, for the for the energy aspect. And in the last track, we will talk about migration. But before that, first music. <laughs>
He hasn't lowered drug costs for anybody. Let me shut you down for a second, Joe, just for one second. I'm cutting drug prices, which no president has the courage to do. Drug prices will be coming down 80 or 90 percent. Nobody's done it. I'm getting it for so cheap, it's like water. We're going to allow our governors now to go to other countries to buy all of the drugs.
welcome back. Thanks for staying tuned in. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. From the studios of RTV today, we have students from the European Careers Association, uh, Jeanne and Leonie. Could you say hello? Hello. Hi. How's it going? Thank you so much. It's been a fantastic uh, talk so far. And yeah, yeah, please carry on about, you're talking about the, the first European summit. Yes, exactly. Yes. And now we're going to talk about migration because it was also one of the main topic of the summit. And so they talked about this because of a reason because in 2022 it's more than 330,000 irregular crossing uh, have been recorded and 900 24,000 asylum application. So it's an increase of 64% and 46% respectively compared to 2021. And so they also talked about a wall. <laughs> so what's a wall? <laughs> so Austria uh, has been a, bit, a strong advocate for the option to construct and build a wall uh, at the border with Turkey because they feared that some people will cross illegally the border and enter via uh, Bulgaria or Belarus, mm. I think, one of them. <laughs> and so uh, they wanted EU to finance this wall, but it didn't work. It was kind of rejected or put aside, uh, primarily by Luxembourg and Spain and other countries that compared themselves with uh, the US and the board, the wall with Mexico so they said that it was insane Yeah, and we think it's fun <laughs> that we have this in Europe so I don't know if you think that it's a good idea Leonie Honestly I was a bit shocked to hear that come up because when I first heard Donald Trump talk about like let's build a wall with Mexico <laughs> I just thought it was like purely inhumane you know everyone every person has the right to asylum so building a mm. wall is not the way to go um, and now that it's actually popping up in the EU, um, I think is quite frankly just wrong um, and not not the right approach at all. In my opinion, we have a huge like policy crisis, yeah. um, and the EU being unable to yeah find a holistic and especially sustainable response to migration um, mm. and building a wall is is, is not going to solve it. Um, no, I don't know. What's your what's your take? Uh, yeah, I don't think it it it's good in a sense that if we build a wall in Turkey, they're coming, they're gonna come from the Balkans, like right. from somewhere else. So it, it it's not very useful in the end. True. Also, if you think about in 2015 when we had the large influx of migrants, they were coming via the Western Balkan route. So yeah, yeah, via the Balkans, and then the politicians closed it down with the EU-Turkey deal that was agreed upon in 2015, 2016. Mm. And then the migrants started arriving over the Mediterranean Sea. And I mean, we all know this yeah. picture of this boy lying dead on the beach. Mm. Migrants will just take more dangerous routes because exactly. it's not an option for them to stay because most of them mm. are fleeing from, yeah, wars, civil war, conflicts. from wars. Yes. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's quite frankly wrong, but um, and also there is the Spain prime minister that said something that we need migrants in Europe, in a sense, to work like that's labor. That's right. 
And also for EU to maintain good relations with the countries that are in conflict. Mm-hmm. If we just close the borders, it's gonna be not good for in international relations. Yeah, two things. The first one that you mentioned w- with the Spain minister, you know, emphasizing that mm. maybe we need the workforce. I yeah. totally agree. I'm from Germany and there as well, like we have such an issue with the pension system um, and people are getting less children, but all the, the baby boom generations, they're going into pension now. Um, and yeah, we just need young workers. Um, so it, 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 in my opinion, it's almost stupid Um to just be so harsh on on migration um, when in fact we could, I mean, most of them are skilled um, and we should just integrate them. Um, And the second thing you mentioned was the the international um, standing. Um, I think the EU recently or since 2015 has really externalized its migration policy, Mm. which means that in order to protect their external or their borders, they make transit countries, third countries like Turkey, um, yeah, have the task of protecting the borders. Um, and I think that makes the EU, or it's not strategically smart because it makes the EU more vulnerable mm. to demands by these third countries, right? Yeah. And they, yeah, during the meeting, they really talked about um, the implication of third uh, countries. Yes. And how to help them like making it as a yeah legal thing mm-hmm. <laughs> to support yeah the migrants and not leaving them on in the sea or with without help right but i think then it comes in this whole question of like safe third countries because if you think about it so legally um, there is the the law of non-refoulement, which means that if a migrant, um, if you send him or her back um, and he or she is threatened by, um, for example, getting killed because yeah. they're looking for her, etc., um, the, the country that has um, or granted asylum to the migrant or the migrant is currently in, mm. they're not allowed to send that migrant back. Like yeah. that's that's a law. Um, and of course there are more charters from the UN and also from the EU. Um, so safe countries like Turkey or the North African countries, like it's very debatable whether they're actually safe. Yeah, that's why they want to make sure that it's not because of economic reasons and that it's because of wars and like very huge problems that mm-hmm. they need to leave mm-hmm. but it's also a debate right now with the earthquake that happened in Turkey and Syria yes. and migration some are asking why no, not why is there many migrants from Ukraine and not Turkey and Syria but I think it raised also a lot of questions about migration and this kind of talks. Mm, do you mean raise this question in terms of the comparison of, you know, because there was a sentiment with Ukrainian migrants that they were more like us, they were brothers and sisters, and for me it's because they were white. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and European. Yeah, and European, whereas, you know, migrants fleeing from Syria, from, from Africa, uh, from the Middle East, 
um, they're just seen as as different with different cultures with different traditions mm-hmm. um, so of course that's a difference but I feel like it should not matter because we are all humans right yeah right <laughs> I think yeah we are yeah but um Sorry, I got a bit sidelined. You were saying about the comparison also with the earthquake now and, and yeah, refugees. Yeah, I've heard about this, that some people think that they can also come in as mm. there is this huge natural disaster and that they cannot leave where like they were living before because of the earthquake. And so they said, well, maybe we should like uh, not invite them, but like, welcome them mm. in Europe because they don't have any place to to stay yeah i mm. mean i guess we should <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> i probably don't like see that coming because also if you look at the italian prime minister uh, georgia mm. meloni like she's a very hardliner like yeah. anti-migration mm. um and i think most of the the southern eu member states are um and Yeah, we'll probably not have them, especially also Italy now. Yeah, but a telling lot of migrants Sweden, to come in. Yeah, that's true. Right, ring parties. Yes, that's like true. a lot of yeah. European countries are starting to. Even in France, I mean, <laughs> it was huge. Like last year election, we also had Marine Le Pen very yeah, that's right. anti-migrant and very anti-Europe. Mm. <laughs> so we were all scared of. <laughs> yeah, I think in in okay. Germany. Um, It's a bit more subtle in a way that it's not so outspoken anti-migrants, except of course the AfD, the Alternatives for Germany, which are the right ring or right mm-hmm. extreme party. Um, but it's also not really that we have developed plans of integrating migrants and yeah. you know letting more people in. Um, so I definitely also see an issue there, even though it's maybe not as outspoken. Um, but Yeah, there's a lot of, um, especially like the federal states in the south and east where migrants are coming, um, they're overwhelmed. Like they don't know where to put them because there's mm-hmm. still no strategy. And, you know, it's been seven years since the migration policy crisis. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wonder if there's actually like the willingness of integrating more people. Yeah, I know that they talked about visa and to make the administrative part a bit easier to to deliver visa and make it legal and mm-hmm. all these things but it's true that it's a hard topic and it's not as easy as we think so yeah no it's not and i think that the main issue within the eu is that the member states have such different opinions on it um and especially um mm. hungary for example yeah. they're very like or the strongest like anti-migration EU member state and right now we have this like Dublin criteria right so all the migration and asylum policy and their laws they're based on the Dublin criteria Mm. um, and they don't work as we have seen in 2015 Um, but there's no way to change it because that would require a veto and all the proposals of changing it also having you know schemes of like disturb distribution <laughs> um, yeah there's always at least one member state opposing it um, yeah. and yeah there's just no in my opinion no solidarity um, True. but it is a tricky topic yeah it is nonetheless <laughs> but just to to com- um, complement they also 
it's not part of migration, but in the mm -hmm. topic before we stop, it's they also talked about Kosovo and Serbia mm -hmm. and how they want to make them discuss more because it's very tense there. Mm -hmm. And as they're both uh, kind of candidate for the European Union, they also talked about this and yeah, the health query. So that was the main topic and we covered them all, <laughs> I think. <laughs>
Thank you so much for staying tuned in. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RT 107.5 FM. Those were some really, really hard, beautiful techno tunes from <laughs> DJ Mirta Hussels. And as promised earlier in the in the session to give out the, the socials of Mirta. So Mirta is, goes by the name Mirta Hussels on all social media platforms, on SoundCloud, on Instagram and TikTok. And if you, if you, if you want to contact the DJ for, for bookings, etc., and in the meantime, we have students from the European Careers Association, uh, Jean and uh, Leonie. Thank yeah. you very much. And it was a really, uh, really interesting talk, I have to say, thank so far. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. It has it has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, still is, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Until the end. <laughs> Until the end, yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about, or we, yeah, we gave you a bit of in- insights um, into last week's um, European Council Summit uh, that happened in Brussels. Um, it happens... Um, at least four times a year um, uh, where all the um, head of states of the 27 EU member states come together um, with the president of the council and the commission um, and anyone else that's important in Brussels um, Mm -hmm. and the most important issues uh, and topics are discussed. Um, So there's always a lot going on and a lot of different topics and we looked at three of them. So of course um, the war in Ukraine, Um, what to do about it. Um, The EU has promised both military um, support uh, and also money. Um, And Zelensky was actually present. So um, that was uh, very very special. Um, And he was, of course, asking also for continuous military um, and also diplomatic and political support, uh, which, of course, the EU has promised. Um, And, yeah, there were more talking about um, the... The details right yeah um about ukraine and stuff then we moved on to the green pact industrial plan uh, for the sh- carbon neutral era and we talked about what is it and what the eu wants to do like um <coughs> invest more uh, make it easier uh, administratively and all this stuff and finally, we talked about migration and um, the rejection of the project of uh, building a wall Thank in between. God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, how to re- uh, regularize this um, uh, asylum yeah, application asylum. Yeah, seekers. Asylum. Yeah, yeah. There's especially with migration, there's a lot to discuss because, as John just mentioned, you know. Mm. Um, having visa application, asylum applications, um, how to process them in a, in a timeful manner. Um, but of course, also their interaction with third countries, like for example, Turkey, who are a very important transit country, um, actually the largest worldwide with hosting migrants and therefore have a very important or big importance for, for the EU and for the EU's migration policy. Um, and I think the the bottom line is for, for migration that most of the EU member states are actually very um, hesitant to, yeah, really let a lot of or a significant amount of migrants in, so they continue to have, uh, yeah, their stance on 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 tough borders, right, and 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 trying to keep the migrants out, so to say, um, which I think is pretty questionable, and I think you you have agreed yeah. with me, right? Yeah, we agreed. On yeah. That. <laughs> um. So yeah, those were only three of of the many more topics that that were discussed. But if you are interested in in reading up on that, you can just look on political or Euronews or Euractive and just type in EU Summit. Um, 
they have really nice articles um, and are generally the the news outlets for EU politics. And maybe an upcoming article for Blue and Yellow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Um, as uh yeah as as we said and introduced ourselves we are writers um for the blue and yellow blog which is a blog that um, is part of the european career association um you can find it under the website of eca maastricht um and then click on blue and yellow or also on on instagram we have our own instagram um eca and then blue and yellow um and we we publish articles like monthly more or less um on different eu topics but um they will probably yeah also come up articles on the EU summit. Um, we just published uh, five new articles um, that are very interesting, especially in my opinion, the one on um, golden visas and golden passports, because apparently you can buy, um, yeah, the the A citizenship, visa? yeah, um, mm. and then uh, you can become an EU citizen. <laughs> <laughs> But we also have an article on, on the last elections um, and on the relationship with Belarus and the EU. So. Yeah, we cover a wide span of different topics um, and maybe a bit of yeah insights on the upcoming events that the European Career Association has. So overall, right now we have the semester membership, which is 15 euros if you're interested and then maybe are a student at Maastricht universities or at any other university in, in, in Maastricht. Um, You can join us. Uh, we organize a lot of events. One of the very exciting ones that's upcoming will be a panel discussion with three different EU consultancies. Um, but we'll also have an event with a uh, member of European Parliament uh, who focuses on the digitalization. Yeah, but we also do like pub crawls and, and bowling and we do study trips. We're going yeah. to Luxembourg early on March. Um, so yeah, always a lot going on with us. Um, <laughs> hopefully a lot of fun so if you want to join please feel free um, and yeah I think that was it from from John and me thank you so much yeah. for having us thank you thank you so much uh, so thank you very much RTV and most importantly thank you very much uh, Mirta Husos for, um, for for lending us their part of their set this is just a teaser and if you really like the set uh, Mirta will be playing this Friday and Sunday at Il Cavo in Maastricht so you can go and enjoy some some amazing <laughs> 